You want to be more productive and motivated? Let's talk about your work environment. And more specifically, how your work environment shapes your productivity. On the show today, Corbett, Steph, and myself, Chase, will walk you through insights about how our workplaces affect our work practices. This one's especially helpful for those of us who work at home or at coffee shops or at bars or at libraries or at etc. etc. All right, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! <laughs> this is the Fizzle Show. Welcome, welcome. Every Friday we publish one more conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. It's our hope that this episode, like every episode will help you birth your idea into the world in a meaningful and a sustainable way for you. That's right, this is for new business builders, modern entrepreneurs, etc., etc. Welcome, welcome, come in, come in, everyone. (laughs) And if you need more help than podcast conversations, we've got it. Training and entrepreneurial community. That's what supports this podcast. Over 40 different courses, 1,600 plus members, all of us with the goal of supporting ourselves, doing something that we care about. All right. If you want to learn more about our courses, our community, and our one-of-a-kind nine-stage business roadmap, you can. As a Fizzle Show listener, go to fizzle.co slash try five and get five weeks for free. Courses and community to help you make your own living. Fizzle.co slash try five. All right. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 191. I will be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Hey, and we're back somewhat live. We're back to the live. That shenanigans that we're pulling off the past few weeks. So just so you guys know, the past several episodes we had to record in batch because we were all traveling. And so we literally didn't, we recorded all those episodes before both the World Series was won, which was a huge deal since Steph lives like around the corner from Wrigley Field. And then also before there was another little thing that happened, uh, President- The Trumpocalypse. The Trumpocalypse. Trumpocalypse. President-elect Donald Trump won the uh, the thing that they call democracy. And and so we are now, this is the first time, and I'm glad, I'm glad that we did, because you know what? I would there have been, was a lot of stuff to deal with between I then and now. I wouldn't have been very useful, because yeah. I've, been, I've been really feeling a lot about the election. I've been really feeling a lot, like I feel... Um, and, and I just, and all I'll say is, is that, that there's a Netflix series called the sixties and it's the most helpful thing I've probably taken in, in terms of media, uh, been getting you ab- about this. Yeah, no, I mean, in, in, a, in a very meaningful way, like in a really like that. And then a couple articles about the working class, mm. like why Trump won the working class, mm-hmm. uh, that have been, that, those have been really helpful, but I'm telling you this Netflix series on the sixties. I mean, maybe maybe it's, maybe I really am a history buff or something like that. But something about it's very soothing. Like it's like, oh, we've been here before. Yeah, context. Oh my gosh, I just watched the one last night. There's one episode that's just about 1968, which was like the year that Nixon won. It was a huge the, the year that yeah. Robert Kennedy got shot. I mean, Robert Kennedy was like were, the savior. Like we, yeah. like the people were going nuts. They're like, this is the guy. Yeah, and it was he was the underdog, but he was like growing huge. Bam assassinated like a, a week or a, a, like weeks after Martin Luther King was assassinated. Yep. 
unbelievable. Yeah, and Nixon won partly because people were rebelling against civil rights. Yes, right? but Nixon won because it was backlash. It, he was like authority, authority, authority. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He's like because everybody was because after Martin, Martin Luther King got shot, and there were riots, dude. Huge. They were know. setting buildings on fire. Insanity, Sean Hannity. So, anyways. <laughs> Uh, but the best one by far was the civil rights episode. I'm going to stop talking about this now, but go watch that Netflix series the made by, made by CNN. All like, because this is the first like decade that we have like TVs in every household. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. Ugh. Fascinating. It's the birthplace of modern America. I think it's, it's like when the country started splitting in half. It, it, it's pretty clear to see. Anyways, mean- I'm Chase Wardman Reeves. Meanwhile, over here, <laughs> I've just been trying to make sure that my house didn't burn to the ground upon the Cubs winning. So guys, yeah. I'm really happy, to re- <laughs> really happy to report that I still have a, a, a house that is standing. How was the parade? Oh my God. It was re- okay. So this is a, f- a fun fact. I think that it was the seventh largest gathering in human history. Was the oh staff? God. And uh, now, the, are we counting the Tower of Babel in on that? Because that was supposed to be pretty big. <laughs> the best part, the best part was, you guys. The only like modern um, gathering that even came close was so random. It was like a Rod Stewart concert in Brazil. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing that in some article. That makes so much sense. <laughs> it was so weird. Wake up, Maggie! I think we are a lot of people standing here. <laughs> that was pretty bad. I could have done better, but you know. So oh, I'm, that's amazing. I'm just so glad that we're up there. We're up there in good company with Rod Stewart. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't have to board up your windows or anything. No, although it was just like around the clock people surfing on cars in front of my house for like a good, you know, 48 hours. Daryl, get off of the top, get the top <laughs> of my damn car. <laughs> of course, as a mom, I'm standing at the window like, oh my God, get down from there. It's really scared mm. me to death. So, Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, we, we, we're back. We're back from our vacations. We're back from the holidays and the Thanksgiving, from the Thanksgiving. We still got Christmas to come. Yep. Uh, for those of you who celebrated. And we're here to talk today about a good topic, I think. Yeah, I, I think, like this one. I think a good topic because what, what I, what I noticed is that like, I mean, this is something that we... When the world goes heavy, we're going to go light. <laughs> yeah, hey, here's it. Don't think about it. Bury it deep down. Put it under a rug. Here's some food. Yum. <laughs> um, you know, your work really affects you. I mean, this is something Corbett Barr sort of lives. He lives this out. He's lived this life. If you know Corbett Barr's life, it is the sense that like, hey, I care about the quality of my life. The work I, I do, the work I, I like make myself responsible to deeply affects the quality of my life, like how my life is. So your work affects your life. Mm-hmm. Today, what I want to explore is how does your environment affect your work, mm. right? So if your work affects your life, how can we be smart about our workplace, our environment, so that we do better work that, of course, makes us feel better, does all the things that we need to do. So we're, we're clicking at that level that we want to be at, Yeah, you know? So what, I, what I've asked us all to do was, was just bring some insights that, that you've learned yourself about how you like to work things that you find are necessary in your environment or in your um, in your sort of pattern of work uh, that help you get better work done because I come from a long line of of productivity porn people all right are you familiar with this term productivity porn it's when you do more research about how to be productive than you do about being productive yeah itself. you're super productive about being productive yes yeah, so i had a long career of doing this <laughs> in my first few jobs where it was like it's the best way to procrastinate <laughs> but feel like you're actually doing something but it was it was an investment i was working at a company i didn't like i was a project manager and yeah. as a project manager i was like well i get to research how i can be a better project 
project manager, which just meant about four or five hours a day of surfing on Lifehacker, of of reading 43 folders, Mm -hmm. of listening to talks from Merlin Mann and John Gruber and all these other people getting into it. And and you, one of the things that comes up a lot is this workplace conversation or the work environment conversation. Right. Right. So everybody's going to tell you, don't let your desk get cluttered. Everybody's going to tell you, think about this. Think about that. Right. All this trite information that, that like we all try for a little while and then either it works or it doesn't. Um, so what I want to get into in this conversation instead, not this trite advice, for us, us three specifically, what have been the insights that we've learned about ourselves that this is how we like it? Because I think that's the trick of your work environment is is working long enough in an environment to realize what works best for you. I think that's the whole trick about productivity is finding out what works best for you. Now, before we get jump right into this, I do want to promote a course that we have in Fizzle called The Essentials of Productivity for Business Builders. Yeah. Okay, now you're a business builder. That means you got to have an idea, right? Well, then we got the, the topic course from Corbett. It means you got to understand who you're selling to. That's the defining your audience course, right? It means you got to got to know really what they're struggling with. That's the that's the conversations with customers course, right? We got courses for a lot of different stuff. We got tremendous. You know how to how to how to pitch what you're working on. How that's the the elevator pitch course. Exactly. Tell your story in a compelling way. The elevator pitch course. Um, but all of this requires a certain kind of glue. That is the glue of moving the ball forward every single week, of actually making progress on your business. For a while there in Fizzle, our motto or our, our mission was to help you make progress on your business every single week. We, that was like, that was our mission as a company. Mm-hmm. And it still is in our like DNA because this is what keeps your business going. It's the every weakness of it. You know what I mean? Doing it every single- Every weakness. Every weakness is the weekly, week, every week- you know what I'm saying? I'm saying weak, okay. W-E-E-K, yep. not weakness. Like yeah. I could see how it could be misstrued that way. I get it. Radio is a complicated medium. It really is. <laughs> but the weak, the, the moving the ball forward every single week on your business is the glue of how you, of if you're, it's, it's, it's if your business is going to work or not. That's what it is. You got yeah. a great idea. You know who it's for. You got powerful, compelling copywriting. You got all this sort of stuff going. But if you haven't been keeping the ball moving every single week, then none of that gets done. Right, so what we have is a course called the Essentials of Productivity. I, in all of my, probably one of my areas of expertise is productivity stuff, just mm-hmm. like porn about productivity. And I've been on a long process of that, and I was able to just to go like, here's the essentials of this. Here's the best practices from this. Uh, like there, you can you can take and customize this however you want, but this is the core of it. Separate this from that. Here's the rules about learning how to write a task, right? Yeah. The thing I love about that course is there are a few simple and very memorable mm. frameworks that you present in there. That yeah. Really the Vino sti- method for writing your tasks. Right. Stuff that sticks with people that comes up in conversation. Yeah. They're like, oh, and they use it as like a, a it's a little bit of the fizzle language, right? Yeah. We yeah. hear from people about yeah. the yeah. CEO worker bee and, yeah. you know. Vino and things like that. So yeah, I like that too. So uh, this is a course that's in Fizzle. It's available for you right now. You can get in there and have a 
a free five-week trial of Fizzle because you're a Fizzle Show listener. We love you guys. We do this podcast, even though people cancel Fizzle just because they're listening to the podcast. They're getting enough value out of it. They're like, I got the podcast. I don't really need Fizzle right now. Some people are saying that. And I'm just like, Durr. but we still do the we still do the podcast because we're growing an audience here of people who are committed to actually earning a living doing something that they care about. And this course, you can get in for five weeks. You can cancel if you don't want to. There's no contracts. There's no anything like that. Just go to Fizzle dot fizzle.co slash try five. I always yep. get confused. I almost say fizzle show. So fizzle.co slash try five. You could sign up. You get a five week free trial when you use that link because you're a listener of the show. And in that five week trial, you can easily finish the uh, productivity essentials course. And you can also get plugged into the community there. Start asking questions about your business and getting some meaningful answers mm -hmm. in that five week time. You get and get, you can get five fizzle Fridays where every Friday we do a group coaching call for whoever can make it. Yeah. You just jump on and you you're with Corbett of those. or me for free or Steph. It, and you get your life changed. You understand what it's like to be on a fizzle Friday with me. And you know, if you look at the calendar, this to me seems like a great time to do something for yourself mm. leading up to the holidays so that, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, you're ready to roll. You're ready to hit the ground running and and get working on that new business and and to see how Fizzle can help you. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So that's the Productivity Essentials course. I think you'd really love it. It's something I'm actually pretty proud of because it doesn't say too much. It's really short. It's really sweet, but it's like strong. It's meaty. It's meaty. Even the vegetarians love it. It's mm. a kind of like a tempeh meaty. It's meaty in like a seitan kind of way. Yeah, it's got that mm. nice sort of barbecue seitan vibe going on. Yeah. Yeah, right now there's like there's a there's a lady going. I, I command thee to leave here. <laughs> I will go, Satan, go. Woo! <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. Uh, so, how does your environment you work in affect the work that you do and affect you? Let's get started. And, and like what what have each of us learned? Is that what you're looking for? I'm looking for like yeah, like you, Corbett. Yeah. You you have a very particular office setup. I have a very particular office setup, right? Boy, howdy, Steph. I've loved. I've I've stayed in your office. I've slept yep. in your office. So <laughs> I, I like I like I like the the way that you've set it up too. So I, I want to start with you, Steph. Like what have what's one thing you've learned that you like in your work environment? All right. Well, I think my biggest one, this is by far the biggest lesson that I've learned. It kind of like for me falls under this bucket that I'll call separation. So this has been always true for me and like I've learned it the hard way, but it's also been especially true for me lately doing the parenting thing, right? I have a baby who's six months old now. And uh, so this will ring true for a lot of the parents in the crowd, maybe people who have little kids at home and they're trying to build a business. This has been absolutely huge for me. I have found that I am not nearly as productive and I'm also, it affects my attitude if I don't have proper separation, not only like spatially speaking, but also mentally. So I'll kind of talk mm. about both of those real quick. So Chase, as he just mentioned, he has stayed in my office. I have a, a part of my house that is basically just dedicated to being my office. I have, it's, it's my guest room. I live in a condo in Chicago, so it's not a huge space, but for the very most part, like 95% of the time, this is a place in my house. It's on a different floor than like the main living area where I come down here and I turn my little lamp on and everybody who visits me and everybody who like lives around here and comes into my house knows that when my office like lamp is on, that I am in the office. It's like a thing around here for, mm. for, for my husband and I. It means I'm in the office just, just the way that, you know, you would be, someone who commutes downtown Chicago would be in, in the office. So yeah. I have to have this like physical 
thing going on where, and this has always been true for me. Like I was the kid who studied in the library, never in my dorm room. I just have to have this like separation in my mind of work and play. And Mm. this has transpired and been doubly true as a new parent. Now I know a lot of people, especially, you know, working moms in particular who, I don't know, I think they're superhuman. I totally tip my hat to them because they, you know, I hear of people who have their laptop open and they're going through email while their child plays on the floor next to them. I am just so not one of those people for me. Family time is family time and work time is work time. And I try really, yeah. really hard to not mix the yeah. two because it affects my self-worth, self-worth pretty hardcore when I feel crappy at my job and crappy as a mom because I'm trying to do both at the same time. Right. So for me, yeah. I really like to just say, okay, these are my hours. This is when I have childcare. This is when I'm like just doubling down on all the work I have to do and I'm super efficient. And then when I'm off the clock, I'm with my family. I'm not doing work. And that's really, really hard. I know a lot of people struggle with that, but for me, it's so worth it. I'm better for my work and for my team when I can be, you know, Steph at Fizzle and Steph the entrepreneur and then Steph the mom and wife and friend. So I really try hard to keep these separate. It's not always perfect, but for me, me, this is like absolutely crucial to being healthy in business and in work. And do you find that uh, helps to limit like distractions or interruptions? Do people around the house, you know, John and, and your nanny, do they know like Steph's in the office? That's her work time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I have this like lamp on my desk and when it's on, people do not come in my space. And I often close the door. (laughs) I often come close the door too. And like literally my nanny's here working and she'll text me instead of like come into, even though we're in the same house. That's nice. So that's Mm -hmm. like, and these are like the ground rules that I've had to set up. I have to, I I really have to defend that time because I have the luxury to work from home. So I do think that if you are someone who's working out of your house, this like defense of your time and defense of your space Mm. is, is really important. Yeah. Corbett, is that something you resonate with? Do you have to do that a lot? Um, No. Because I really do. I, I, I absolutely, Steph, Melissa and I, my wife and I have had this conversation nonstop. And it's been a really yep. big deal uh, since I have a small son and he's he's not so small anymore. But he like, you know, I've been working from home for a lot of my yeah. of the last seven years. So it's it's like this total thing that I have to do. But I think, Steph, I wonder how much of that is, per- Steph and I have a lot of personality things in common. We're both mm-hmm. sevens yeah. on the Enneagram. Yep. And uh, and so for for me, like that, and that's the thing, like like Corbett can be working, like I've noticed that Corbett will sometimes get some work done like late into the evening, just be on his laptop while he's watching the game or something like that. I can't do that. Like nope. Five, 5.30 rolls around, whenever it's like we break for dinner time, I'm done. Totally. It's like my brain cannot get back into work mode. And maybe if, maybe if it was a, a certain other test, but I just have to bring, I have to focus so much just to like get there yeah. that like I need like all of this, all of this stuff to like, okay, I'm there. The door is shut. We're yeah, done now. Absolutely. Yeah. And if John were here, he would tell you too. There have been times where he'll like come within you know, I don't know, a few yards of my office and I will just like shoot daggers at him. He's like, okay, uh, back away slow. Like I'm just, I'm like, I am in the zone. Don't mess with me. So that's definitely how I am too. Yeah. I bet there's some people that really resonate with that. Maybe some that haven't even learned that yet about themselves, but I definitely think that I resonate with you, Steph, on that. The separation thing has been huge for me. And and I, I figured that Corbett for you, that would be something different. Like how would you, like, how do you not relate to that? Are you just kind of like, yeah, I just kind of, I work where I work and I, and I don't I mean, want to don't. I have an office, but I also kind of move around the house a little bit. And but I don't have a child at home, and my spouse is there like part of the day, but then she's gone part yeah. of the day. Yeah. And then when we live in Mexico, we're both in the same place all day, and I, she just kind of knows that yeah. I work until about cocktail hour. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, there are breaks throughout the day and stuff. And I do get frustrated once in a while if I'm deep in thought. But it's just, I don't know, it's not one of the, I wouldn't put that in my top five, yeah. like, things that I've learned yeah, about yeah, myself. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into your top five. Okay. Give, me, give me one from you. All right, so one of the things that matters most to me or that I've learned is that changing my environment matters almost as much as the environment itself. Mm. So you know how we focus a lot on some people need separation, other people need their environment to be set up in a particular way. Those things are important to me somewhat, but what really matters is just changing the pattern for me and and breaking up where I am, maybe not every day, but on a regular basis so that I'm not just in the same place all the time. For some reason, I just get in a real sluggish kind of depressive sort of mode if I'm in the same office doing the same thing day in and day out. I need to break it up by going to a coffee shop, coming to Chase's house, um, just just doing something to change my environment. And then I get this like reinvigoration of my work for some reason. Sometimes I go to a coffee shop and those three hours that I'm there are the most productive hours that I have the entire week for some reason. I don't know why that is exactly. Mm. I've just found it to be really important. And I've also found that even the coffee shops themselves that I go to can get worn out and they kind of lose their magic and they start to feel like it's an extension of my office. And so I have to find like a new coffee shop to yeah. go to. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about that. <laughs> it's just, you know. I feel the same. I, I've had the same thing happen. It gets too familiar or something. Something, and, and it happens really naturally. You just notice that you don't want to go to that coffee shop. Yeah. Like, you know, it's almost like it's like a burden. It's like you feel like part of me, one voice in me is going like, Oh, I guess we should go to the coffee shop now. Another voice of me is going like, I don't really want to. <laughs> it's like, oh, why don't you want to? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It takes, it's like this whole season of growing out of it and, yeah. then, and then change. So, so I want to know, do you change, do you uh, intentionally change your work environment at home? Do you change your, like your office at all? I don't, but you know, yeah. maybe I should try that. Maybe that would help. Cause I don't either. I mean, I, I, I totally resonate with this. The idea of just changing the pattern. Uh, can just reinvigorate you for your work. I even do this around the house. Sometimes I work in the kitchen. Yeah, just different spots. Something fresh or the living room or whatever. You know, I, I move around a little bit and yeah. that sometimes is enough of a spark to get me re-engaged. You got together. so many great nooks in your house. Lots of nooks. And I, I do want to stop and, and just say like, what we're, we're talking to a lot of people who, pro- who work at home or who work remotely or who work, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know, as they travel the world as nomads or something yeah. like that, right? A lot of people like that listen to the show. And there is, uh, like my wife, she has been a successful real estate agent, started a company with a couple friends and did this whole thing for like the past 10 years, right? And now she's just stopped and she's blogging. She's writing at wombandhearth.com if you care to check it out. It's for moms. It's for ladies. <laughs> and, um... And uh, it's been fascinating for me to watch her go like switch into like work at home mode on a project that's not like she doesn't have a boss, right? This is where I've been for a decade now almost. Yeah, you know where where it's seeing her realize how important some of these little details. And she doesn't know yet. She doesn't know yet. She's just learning, and and I and I can't tell her much because she has to learn it for herself. Yeah, you know. Uh, But I I remember those years, those hard years uh, that I didn't know what this was, what was going on. But I look back over at those years, and I'm just like, oh, I was just learning how to work. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what I was doing; I was just learning how to work. Yeah. And this is one of those things that also works for me, like just changing the environment, like totally gets me, and I do it really naturally, just like you're talking about. Like I just there's a chair in my bedroom now, and I'll just work in there occasionally. Yep. You know, there's like I got these little meditation zafu pillows, which are like my favorite thing. 
just like sitting on them makes me feel like I'm an important person. Like I'm enlightened. You know, it makes me feel like I'm a like I'm a good person. You know, because sure. we all know we're supposed to meditate. We all know that now. But we don't have to meditate if we have a meditation pillow mm. that we sit on. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't work for you. It's my strategy. Yeah. <laughs> That's my strategy. Um and and I've been doing that, doing a lot of like squatting and working and things like that. Just like yeah. just cause my body. And then and then I what's crazy to me is sometimes I'm in the kitchen and I'll work at the kitchen like every day for like three weeks. And then I'll just stop. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I found that a lot of times the best thinking happens outside of the office, uh. you know, whether it's on a walk or at some new coffee shop or I work at um, yeah. my wife's studio once in a while. I, I go there with her and uh -huh. I just sit there in a weird little poang chair and mm -hmm. and do what I need to do. And sometimes just that change of environment is enough to get you thinking in a new way. Because I don't know, for some reason, normally like, when you're because she's an artist, she's a painter. So I'm wondering when you're working on your laptop in your pulling chair, are you a nude that she's sketching? I, I really like that idea. <laughs> I didn't want to let that. <laughs> you guys are so out. erotic. I love it. <laughs> Sometimes that, that just changing the pattern. Um, I think when you when you are in the same pattern, in the same place all the time, sometimes the way you approach your work is the same. Everything mm -hmm. just becomes part of the routine, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then when you leave that environment, it just frees you up to try something new to, yep. you know? It totally does. And so sometimes that's where the best new ideas come from. Yeah, I, lo I love it. I love it. Steph, let's go with another one from you. All right. So here's one for me. This is, I don't know. I, I, I hope this one counts as like a workspace thing. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I thought I would share because it's something I ask myself what I'm constantly struggling with, like what I'm struggling with right now related to mm. my workspace and, and my work environment. And mm. th this one for me has to do, and I get made fun of this one ruthlessly in my house by John. He, he like looks over my shoulder and it like makes him cringe. I have a serious problem with how I like organize my tasks and how I approach what I'm doing every day, electronically mm. speaking. So mm. this for me is my tabs. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I have, I am one of those people who might have like 20 tabs at any given time. And I have to check yeah. myself and be like, this is so unhealthy. And I start to notice just how slow I am. If I have too much stuff up at once, like, Cause I'll, you know, cause for me in my job doing support for fizzle, I have to have a couple of different things up at once to kind of toggle mm -hmm. back and forth. And if I have anything beyond just those things, I'm like a total mess. And I'm like, what was I doing? What was I on? Oh yeah. yeah. Here's Amazon. Oh yeah. And I get like totally screwed up. So I feel like, I don't know if some people are just now, like, I don't know if everybody has this, like this need to like defend this as, as aggressively as I do. But I feel like every day I, some, I, I always like work my way up to like 20 tabs and I have to like negotiate it back down. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, like I'm really trying to focus on, you know, only having the things up that I'm literally doing this very second. Like I cannot trust myself to have even one, even my email inbox, my personal email cannot be up. So I guess this isn't necessarily workspace, but it kind of is because, you know, the internet is like my workspace these days. And so for me, I really have to just like be very aggressive about what I'm doing this exact moment, only the tools that I need and everything else has to get cut out of the way. So that's been a huge one. I know that might seem like maybe that's a borderline trite piece of advice, but for me, like this is just something that I'm always thinking about. I always, oh I'm always dealing with this. So that's have, a, a big one for me. I have the best onion from like my favorite from the past year. <laughs> this just, I just saw this a couple of weeks ago. The headline was accidentally closing browser window with 23 tabs open presents rare chance at new life. You guys, that's me. That's me. That's literally me. <laughs> that was written about me. <laughs> the quote from the girl here is, um, everything is going to be different from this point on. I can be anyone I want to be. I have a blank slate. Life truly begins right now. That's how I feel. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, that is so good. That is so good. That's so my wife. My wife. Every time I get her computer, she's like, "Hey, my um." She, this is not what my wife sounds like at all. But but uh, and so I won't. I won't. I just won't do that. I won't do that. But <laughs> the funny thing is, is, she's the most competent. I mean, she was like the tech department for her real estate company. Like, and and she got all the problems solved, right? But she'll still come to me and she's like, "My phone doesn't." I won't event. I can't. <laughs> and I'm just like restart. I'm like literally like blow into it, restart your phone, blow in, shake it, do <laughs> shake it. And then she's like, oh, it's working now. Okay. <laughs> and it's not what she's like at all. But she's uh, she's got uh, she's the tab person. Every time she's got something wrong, I'm like, well, first close all your tabs. It's then so I'll get horrible. Yeah. Then I will get involved. Um, but but I I think there's something I love. I mean, it's this is great example, Steph, because it's so small that it's so it seems so like stupid. You know, yeah. even as you're bringing it up, you're like, this might be trite. Yeah. This doesn't really count as a workplace thing, maybe. But and this is a stretch. But this is what I'm constantly thinking about. Well, there, I think it's just really really smart of you because this is exactly where the work is fought for. It's exactly where it's this kind of stuff. That's yeah. why in the in the productivity essentials course, it's like. How do you write a task? Like to some people, it's be like, that's a stupid thing to think about. And you watch the video, and you're like, oh, I got it mm -hmm. now. Because it matters so much. Yeah. These little things. Yeah. Yeah. Each tab feels like it's asking something of you. And it's, it's like a, a task. It's a commitment you've made to yourself. Right. Right. So when you close that thing, it's like if you have, I just did this this morning. I cleaned out, there's a thing called 333. You where you have only 33 things in your closet, including shoes, for three months. Yeah, you put Cap everything capsule away. wardrobe. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I've, 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 I'm like, just like utterly interested in minimalism yep. because to me it's completely cathartic. It's, it like c clears up so much energy, so much creativity, and it just like it, I don't know. But as I'm cleaning out the stuff, I'm like, oh, but this is good. And I, I, I realized like the thing that was hard about this was like I wanted to not be stupid for spending money on this thing. You want to not be stupid for opening up that tab. That's yeah. what you're protecting. You're protecting the person who you were and you're like, well, I make good decisions. So that was probably a good decision. Right. But the best decision you could possibly make is, I ha is, is to realize this is what I'm focusing on right now. And then I can reevaluate. But wait, what if I forget to go back to that story? Right. It's like this. It's always this. I love how you said stuff. You're constantly negotiating it down. Yeah. And I used to be the same way where I would like just sprint through one of these articles that I had open just so I can close the tab. <laughs> yeah. Know? Right. I'm, and I'm such a hypocrite too, because like literally we're, we're recording this podcast and right now I'm like on my computer and I have a tab open, this website called Brokay, which is actually a really cool website, but it's gift ideas for men. Like, why do I have that open? I have no oh. idea how these things happen to me. And I'm literally like telling you guys that I'm working on this and this is like something I'm dealing with in this exact moment. So I don't know. It's yeah. a very real struggle for me. If you're looking for me, Steph, my shirt size is a large typically, uh, 34 on the waist, uh, size nine shoe. Okay, perfect. I don't know. I don't know what kind of stuff you're looking for. I'm all, all Mac, all Mac stuff. Got you know, it. So. I just found uh, an interesting uh, extension here for Chrome that lets you limit the maximum number of open tabs. Oh, oh God, I, I need it. it. I, love I need it. it. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff, but that's hard to still because it's that's like a. This, this is stupid. Uh, but I, this is where my brain's at these days. That's what happened with the civil rights movement. We didn't deal with the underlying like like actual fear uh, of uh, yeah. that, that, that the Southern whites have of the black man and women, right? We didn't deal with that. We legislated it. We said, nope, you only get 15 tabs. That's it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you're not actually dealing with the underlying thing because I think it, it, as stupid as it sounds, there is something really, really, there's really something important to work through in this. 
because it is it's this it's this philosophical reality that you can only do what you can do. And and that is what's so hard about getting real work done for yourself. You can only do what you can do, not what you want. What you want to do is infinite. What you can do is finite. And what Corbett's taught me a lot about, what my wife's taught me a lot about, is, <clears throat> is that it doesn't have to be. So for me personally, the difference between the two, what I want to do feels like freedom. What I can do feels like prison, right? It feels like it's actually painful. But I've learned, and I think it's possible to learn, to not be as afraid of that mm. over time. It's just, it's like, oh wait, I can handle this. I can do this. And my life will still be good. <laughs> you know, my work will still be invigorating for me. Uh, I love this one, Steph. I think this is a really important one. Great. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. Corey, what's another one from you? Uh, next one from me is about um, ergonomics. And that is, so, you know, I like to change up my environment, but the reality is you end up spending the bulk of your time in one place. Yeah. And wherever that is, wherever you're going to be spending 75 or mm -hmm. 80% of your time, ergonomics really matter. Because if I'm hunched over a bunch, it gives me a neck ache yeah, or neck yeah. kink. And then sometimes that just derails me for a couple of days or whatever. And um, also like se being seated too much, you know, really can just kill your back. My lower time. back. And then when I'm getting into bed, it's like, like I can't, I can barely sleep because I can't get comfortable because it hurts so bad. Yeah. Or your legs kind of start falling asleep. Yeah. And then, and then weirdly, if you, if I sit all day, it's much harder to get motivated to go outside and go for a walk or mm -hmm. work out or something versus yeah. if I'm standing, you're already a little bit engaged physically. Yeah. So then it's an easier transition. You're less committed to being static. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it really matters to me. And so at home, I have a great setup. I have a standing desk that raises and lowers automatically. You just push a button. Um, I have a, a chair that's low. I have a stool that's higher. Sometimes I stand. Um, I have a... Uh, couple of different laptop stands. I used to use one called the M stand, which was aluminum and, and fairly bulky. And I, I just switched to the Roost. I think I showed you the Roost. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little plastic thing that's really lightweight and you can take it with you. And I've even taken that to coffee shops a couple of times, the Roost stand along with my external keyboard and mouse or, or trackpad, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. So those things really matter. And the evolution of that for me is now taking that places if I'm going to be somewhere for a while um, last time, last year for the first time in Mexico where I live in the winter, I brought this whole contraption with me, external keyboard yeah. and trackpad and laptop stand. And that was great. And now the roost is much lighter. So I'm happy I'll be able to take that and it won't cost me so much in terms of weight. Um, so I just, I, all of that matters. And now I see people working on laptops hunched over and you realize when you see somebody like that, um, that that must be what they're doing day after day, hour after hour. It's yeah. not like they're just doing that temporarily. Some people are like that. And I was like that for most of my 20s and then started to feel the effects of that. And yeah. uh, and so now I just recognize that wherever I'm going to be, the bulk of my hours, I don't, I'm not persnickety about it everywhere, but if I'm going to be somewhere for the majority of the time, I got to have it set up right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I, I don't know if you, I got this one view of my back and uh, of the upper, uh, right at right, the lower part of my neck, and I just got this little tiny hunch thing. I feel it too, yeah. I just and, and I and my grandma had that really bad. She yeah. had like this big old hunch thing, and now it's like I'm really worried about this hunch thing, you know. So I'm, I'm standing up, posture. I'm fixing my posture a lot. I'm doing yoga and things like that, just because I'm I, like, like I, I'm fine with it. Your body does what it does, and and we're all gonna die. But uh, but there's <laughs> something to like, 
there's something. To, I mean, I mentioned like like if I'm sitting all day, if I'm sitting for too long, and I get in bed at the end of the night, so I, I, I like my couch is really bad for this. It's really mm-hmm. bad. Like I love spending it's about for lounging. I love spending about an hour and a half down there watching my shows, seeing my stories. At the end of the day, I like to do that. But then when I get into bed and my lower back is kind of glowing with like, just like, I don't know. I have to sleep on my stomach sometimes, which I, I don't know. I see some headline in my, in my mind about that probably being a bad thing to do, <laughs> you know, but because it's just, because when it affects your sleep, it's going to affect everything. Yeah. You know, your sleep is sort of like the sacred thing that we're all learning now so much about the importance of sleep. And, uh, and, and, and so when your ergonomics are able to affect how you sleep right. and how you're, whether or not you're going to be able to be exercising that day, whether being physical. I love that idea that like when you're working a standing desk, you're a little less committed to being static. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, you, you have, you're just that much more likely to go like, let's go on a walk, uh, something like that. So I feel this, I feel as well. I have my, my air on chair, which is like the most expensive thing I ever bought besides a computer. Uh, and I wanted that so badly. You know, I really wanted that thing. And you don't sit in it. I sit in it. I you sit in it. Okay. Yeah, no, I sit, especially for certain different tasks. Uh, I find myself sitting in it. And I like it, but it doesn't solve all my problems. The thing sure. is, you can sit in there all day long. You're still going to feel the pains. Yep. You're still going to, it's like, ah, I wanted to fix everything. That's why I love products so much. You know, you hear about a thing like the Roost, which I'll put in the show notes. The Roost, it's like, well, maybe that'll solve all my problems. Maybe solve some of them. Maybe then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and not to get too geeky, but the thing that I like about the Roost, aside from its portability, yeah. is because it's really small and light, it also just got the laptop up a little bit higher. The M stand that I was using, was sti- I was still looking down a little bit. Yeah. The Roost gets it up there so that you can have your hands on your desk at the right height so yeah. that your, arm, yeah. your elbows are 90 degree mm-hmm. angles. And then the laptop screen ends up being like right at eye height. Yeah. There. So, and it's adjustable also. It's a great little piece of equipment. I, I think it was like 40 bucks or something. Nice work. Okay, yeah. so the ergonomics is something that's important to you. I mm-hmm. like that. I definitely resonate with that as well because I have a, I have a, a desk that raises and lowers um, and uh, and I actually installed a little a slide uh, thing underneath thing. it for a keyboard so that I can actually get it up higher. I wanted, yeah. I wanted everything up higher and I have a stand now for my laptop that I put up there. So I just wanted my neck to kind of come back a little bit. Yep. You know what I mean? Instead of like constantly, constantly hunched over. It's really a bummer, you know? Yeah. What we do to ourselves, because these laptops are so great. You know, they're it so makes great. Sense. So if you think about other, you know, um, jobs that people do, it's no question that you, that there are jobs that are harmful to your, yeah. your physicality over yeah. decades, mm-hmm. you know? And so why wouldn't it be harmful to hunch over a laptop just yeah. like it is working in a, you know, a mine or something? Yeah. I like that. Okay. Steph, let's go with one more from you. Um, if you got one. I, those are my main two. I don't want to, I don't want to throw another one in there just for the sake of okay. it. Those are like the two big things that I'm really, really focused on right now. So I'm, I'm going to leave those there. Do you feel like we're being set up for something here? Stuff because no, Chase no. Is like I know back. Chase is really holding his cards close to the chest right now. I'm a no, little... no. What I'm, I'm liking, uh, I'm doing a lot of a lot of uh, you know ephemera on on your guys' oh, stuff, sure. right? Okay. So I'm talking okay. a lot. Okay. You should see what it's like when I edit these shows. Yeah, it's almost all me. <laughs> and I just <laughs> I just feel so sorry for the listener. Um, but I will. Okay, so I'll add I'll add one that I think a lot about lighting. 
Lighting is something that matters a lot to me. I can vouch for that right now. There are at least 37 lights in this room of yeah. varying angles, luminosity, color. Keep going. Yeah, different Kelvin scales. Yeah, uh, different arms that move around. It's true. I, I do a lot of filming, and so it, one of the things that's really important to me is that I don't want to have like a set of lights that I work under and then a set of lights I film under. Um, the thing is, is my filming would be so much better if I was using daylight color lights, really yeah. bright, white, almost blue light. The filming, it just works way better camera stuff. But I am unwilling to have like two sets of lights. Like I just want to set up my environment. I like, I like a nice warm light. I love to like keep the windows completely closed and draped over because, if, because I could get lost in here for eight hours without realizing what time it is. And that's a really valuable thing for me to do, you know, because I just get lost in those, in those uh, sort of creative moments. So I, I, I think a lot about lighting. This is something I've done in my house as well. You might notice like when you walk into someone's house and they've got those can lights they're just bright. They're just, like, yeah. you can't. You can look at their face, but by, right behind them, up on the ceiling, are these really bright lights where you can, the bulb is exposed and it's so light. And you're just like, what's happening? Yeah, this it's is like those awful CFL. Yeah, lamps. and it's like you don't even care about me or yourself. <laughs> it's like I'm starting to get frustrated about it. Um, and, and so like my in my main floor, I have these like 25 watt, like tiny little decorative bulbs yeah. in uh, like the whole in the whole place. And it's just 25 watt bulbs. Because it's it's plenty of light. It's nice and mellow. I like to create that vibe uh, because I'm trying to seduce my lady, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. But in my office as well, I, I just find that where I work, the lighting is is just an important thing. And sometimes I love switching to a coffee shop, a cafe, where there's these big, you know, daylight windows and you're get and you're getting the sunlight and doing the thing. Um, but lighting is just one of those things that for me, I can easily create a more of a sort of like soothing, calm environment to chill out. And that's been the one that, that matters to me. Love it. I'll, I'll say Thanks. this as well. Clutter on clutter versus unclutter, you know, like, like yeah, I'm, I'm not, about that? I'm not doing great right now. Yeah. I'm not doing great. It's a constant negotiation. As you said, Steph, with your tabs, mm -hmm. um, I have in the background of all of the videos that we shoot for fizzle, there's all this great ephemera sort of from everywhere. There's a candle that where Louis CK is dressed up as a saint. Uh, there's another one with Bill Murray and another one with Will Ferrell and, John C. Riley. There's a lot of books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's books. There's and then there's just a ton of pens. Like Various way, things that Fizzlers have given us. Yeah, gifts from Fizzlers. And I like that. I like that kind of clutter in the background there. But it does kind of like work its way into you know uh, into like the, my working environment. Now, I don't have any problems with clutter if I am physically working on stuff. Sometimes it makes a big difference when I move from the computer to a sketch pad. And I just got a dirty, wet pen. And I'm just like, well, this is, what if we did this? What if we did that? And you're just wasting paper and you're wasting ink on an idea. I like that. That can, that can free up ideas. You know what I mean? Uh, so I like to have those tools nearby. Occasionally, sometimes I don't put them away. Right? <laughs> Sue me. Are you kidding me? I'm not a perfect man. Uh, take my wife. Take her. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I, find, I find that I kind of like that, though. It feels like a, a, a person's working in this yeah, room. Yeah, it's you like know? a workroom. I like I, it's a I, shop. I definitely you like to think of your work as being more than just bits dude, in a laptop. I got a I got a I got an apron hanging on the door over there. Uh, uh, ben Davis like working apron because I had this little bit of a fantasy that like I would come in here, I would put on the apron, mm -hmm. I would put on like a work sweater, like grab your grab a, your lathe, a cardigan with like le I always wanted a cardigan with like leather elbow patches. Yeah. I would want to come in. I ever since I saw that Hayao Miyazaki uh, documentary, the guy who made Totoro and all those great movies. This is it's like one of my. He's like my pretty much my hero of 
of like creating a 30 year business that just like with with a million employees and then and he's sitting on the roof smoking a cigarette going like it's all over <laughs> it's all it's all done that's what happens is you created this amazing thing and then it goes away <laughs> and you're just like what is happening i love it but he would he would just like he got into work he'd put on his mr rogers sweater and he would just start animating he'd just start drawing or sketching or doing the thing and uh there's just something about that i like i find really soothing i really want my life to yeah. be kind of like that so I always fantasize about being in a workshop when I work. I, I want it to feel like a workshop. Like I want it to feel like mm. minus the sawdust and stuff like that. But um, but anyways, the clutter, the clutter I have a, a complicated relationship with, kind of like the ecosystem of the gut bacteria that you have in your body. Yeah. Uh, that's awful complicated. But don't be, I don't have to be religious about it. That's what I've learned. Mm. Don't be religious about clutter. Unless, yeah. unless that's something that really uh, it, this is true. This could be totally a personality thing for me because over time it doesn't make me, uh, it does cost me some mental bandwidth when it start when I start to feel like, oh, I should do something about this. And then I haven't done anything yeah. for months. Yep. You know what I mean? That's when it starts to cause some, but then when I clean it up, it feels like super cathartic. So I'm, I'm okay with that tension and release sort of. My wife and I are exact opposites on that. I happen to be just naturally uncluttered all the time. Like yeah. Everything in my office is always put away. I just don't live with clutter. Yeah, yeah. And I don't ever think about it. It's just what happens. Yeah. My wife is the exact opposite. Her workspace, her studio is always just in complete disarray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't find anything to save your life, but that's just how she is and how she works. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't get stressed out about the clutter. And I think that's the key probably just yeah. not to let it like weigh on you one way or another. If it does weigh on you, noticing that is yeah. the key. Yep. If it doesn't weigh on you, noticing that, because you're going to read every article you read about productivity is going to tell you like, make sure your desk is uncluttered and yada, yada. But that could be a total source of inspiration. Well, for you. and you know, I think sometimes it's kind of like, to me, it's, it's a lot like the advice you should wake up early. Well, yeah. some people just don't work that way. Yeah. And so whenever you read an article that says, you know, unclutter your environment or whatever, you should find out if that person is naturally like me. Yeah. You know, or did they have to actually struggle with it? And they have some reason why it's important. Totally. Usually it's just because they think clutter is a bad thing because yeah. they're anal or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anal, I think is how it's anal. pronounced. Um, uh, Steph, anything else to add? Nope, not for me. I've, I am definitely in the camp on the clutter piece. Like that is another thing that I, I am constantly fighting against that too. So I'm definitely more on the side of it if it piles up naturally. So I do think it was a great point that you made that what, whatever side you're on, whether it's not something that gets in your space or it is something that starts to bother you, you got to be aware of it to kind of fight against it. I think that's the the main piece with, with clutter. Because it's, it's interesting for me to hear that that does work for you, Chase, because it totally doesn't work for me. So mm, I think yeah. an interesting takeaway for me is to ask yourself if it's something that is working like with you or against you and then, you know, adjust accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you guys, what we're trying to do is, is something that's very difficult to try to stay on task, to try to make promises uh, to our future self and then keep them between here and there, mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, I want to work for myself. And then you try to keep that promise. And so you have to enlist all the help that you can get in this, in this thing. And so for me, that means shoot, I'll spend some money and I'll get the right lighting, right? But at some point that's going to turn into a, a, the law of diminishing returns comes into effect, right? Where it's like, okay, your lighting's fine. It's fine. That's another thing that I mean, I, like I might talk a big game about lighting, but you'd come in here and you'd be like, this looks horrible. There's just, there's just lights everywhere <laughs> because of my, I'm filming. They're filming. <laughs> I'm filming. <laughs> but, uh, but, but like you don't want to, it's, there's a point at which you will go, I am, it's time for me to work now, you know? It's just time for me to work. Go into the bathroom and take a load off and 
bring your computer and just get your work done, right? This is why your work environment, it matters as a thing that you're pruning, that you take care of over time because it will grow weeds. It will get away from you. And it's something that you are in constant dialogue with. And its voice will definitely affect your work and how you feel about your work and your life. Um, But this is not the main event. The main event is your work. And that's why we, in the beginning, we're talking about the Productivity Essentials course, which you can take at fizzle.co slash try five, because what you need is more than just your workplace to be sorted out. You need your workflow to be sorted out. And so if you, if you need some help with that, get into that. Otherwise, you know what you're doing. Keep making progress. Make it count. You know, make good decisions. And, uh, you know, I'm a size nine shoe. If any of you are getting ready for Christmas gifts, it's <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I just take, I just took about twenty pairs of shoes and I put them in a pla- in a garbage bag and, I, and I've got them in like in some like place I will, uh, I, I, will, I shall not fit, mention. Fit your three thirty. I have three pairs of shoes right now. All of them Birkenstocks. Oh, <laughs> no Birkenstock sneaker, Birkenstock boot, and Birkenstock actual Birkenstock. All right. <laughs> I'm wearing the actual Birkenstocks. Good for you. <laughs> I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see, see you there, or we'll, we'll see you on another, another time. So there you have it. All right. Fizzleshow.co slash 191 is where you're going to find show notes and links and the new business toolkit. If you don't know what that is, that's this free guide that we have. It's four, actually, four ridiculously helpful guides for modern business owners, okay? And it's free for you. It's our new business toolkit. Four ridiculously helpful guides for modern business owners. Is that you? Like this one, the 20 Killer Selling Propositions Guide. It's a guide that showcases 20 of our favorite USPs, unique selling propositions. So you can get inspiration and intelligence about how to shape your own USP. If you don't know it already, the unique selling proposition of your business is insanely important, and this guide will help you see exactly why. You can get that uh, and leave a comment. You can get that and leave a comment at fizzleshow.co slash 191 f-i-z-z-l-e show.co slash 191 here's an iTunes rating of one star oh no one star from happy listener 127 in the US of A who writes this might be a great podcast based on all the five star reviews but I will never know I tried to listen for the first time well 11 minutes into the episode, the hosts were still clowning around and wasting time. The episode is more than 50 minutes, and more than 20% is wasted already. So I turned it off, and we'll be going back to other podcasts, etc. I totally understand. I'm so sorry we let you down. Happy listener 127. Uh, but listen, if you like this show, would you leave us an iTunes review to just like tell happy listener 127, hey, there's something good in this show too. Gee, I mean, if you like this, I would love it if you did that. You can just go to the iTunes store, search for Fizzle, and click write a review. You can also do it right from your iTunes podcast app, I think. Anyways, you know our goal here is to help you make a progress on your business every single week. Right, And if you leave us an iTunes review, it just helps us to do that. So could you leave us an iTunes review? Because 
Happy Listener 127 is really kind of hurting me right now. <laughs> Remind me that you guys like this, please. All right, that's it for the show today. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.